0: Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My guest today is Sarah True. If you don't know who she is, she's an Olympian, a professional triathlete, and a new business owner. We'll get into all of that. But first, welcome, Sarah.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Kelsey.
0: Thank you for saying yes. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you.
1: Yeah. You know, if uh, Jordan Blanco asks that you uh, do a podcast for one of her friends, you do it because uh, she's pretty awesome. <laughs>
0: she she is pretty awesome. I'm so grateful <laughs> she's in my life.
1: I think a lot of us feel that way. She's, she's like the ultimate connector, you know, getting people in touch with each other. And there's, there's something special about people like that, for sure.
0: There is. She, I think connector is definitely the word I was going to use. I wonder if that's what she would use to describe herself.
1: <laughs> well, if not, we're going to describe her yeah. as that from now on.
0: <laughs> so let's get into you. How did you get into triathlon?
1: Uh, you know, I think like a lot of people who get drawn to the sport, I... Uh, I was active growing up, you know, I swam, I ran, I, I played all sorts of sports, couldn't quite figure out what was for me. And I did a couple of triathlons in high school, a couple more in college. Um, and it was really after college that I I, I swam at, um, at Middlebury College for four years. And, you know, I was a, um, I was definitely a student athlete in the sense that, it was something I did for fun. You know, I was competitive, but I graduated feeling unfulfilled as an athlete. Um, and what's great about triathlon is that you can do it after college. I mean, you think about all these sports and so many of them. You know, it's it's something that you do in high school and maybe you can do it a little bit later. Uh, but triathlon for so many of us, you really get into it your twenties, your thirties, your forties, even beyond. And, um, it makes it really, it makes it really special. I mean, how many people do you know, we're getting to, I don't know, gymnastics in their early twenties. I have yet to meet anybody. Um,
0: no, but <laughs> so that would be it, awesome.
1: It would, it would be awesome. It would be awesome. Um, that, you know, it's, it is definitely cool that there are these sports, the, the endurance sports definitely, uh, draw people who still have that competitive drive and you know want to be part of that athletic community um and I was I was full-on one of those people who still felt like yeah, this this is this is a place I can meet this triathlon world um let's see let's see how far I can get
0: so I'm i think still, doing it. <laughs> yeah, you're still doing it I think it's interesting because I remember when I finished swimming at Bowdoin all of my teammates were like all right, done, swimming's over, probably never going to swim again. I was like, well, what's next? Exactly, exactly,
1: yeah. And I think some of those people, because, you know, swimming's one of those sports where uh, if you grew up doing the high, you know, one of those intense programs uh, that's, you know, year-round from you're doing double sessions at a young age, you get to the point where you're in college and you don't really want to continue with sports after that, because that's the association you have is that to do a sport has, it has to take over your life. Um, so I think that is really common experience for swimmers is to just not want to do anything after college because their entire lives up until that point has been that it's been the dominant force. Um, you know, I, I am fortunate because I, I grew up in a small town. We didn't have those opportunities as swimmers. So I swam a few months out of the year. I did other sports the rest of the year. So that by the time I, I, I could see my peers in college who were burning out, and I was just kind of hitting my stride. Um, so it's, you know, we're, we're so much shaped by, by our past. And if you can graduate after doing college sports and you're still fired up, to keep on competing, that's a pretty good thing. So yeah. Well done, Kelsey. thanks <laughs> yeah, nice. You too. High five, sir. Oh uh, high five.
0: <laughs> okay, so did you go straight into short course racing? Did you go straight into draft legal? How'd you get there?
1: Uh yeah. So my uh my first real coach um was uh Siri Lindley and you know her her background was uh, draft legal racing, you know, as, as somebody with a swim background, it definitely, you know, it rewarded, um, it, I too definitely rewards fast swimmers. Uh, if you're a pretty good runner, you know, obviously it rewards that too. So it just, I, I think it was this confluence of, you know, um, part of it was influence from my coach at the time, and then also just um, a little bit of a, a natural fit for me, because I'm, I'm more speed power uh, oriented. Like, I, I like those short bursts. Um, but yeah, there were, there were times where the first few years I did some non-draft racing, you know, Olympic distance races, um, basically to just pay the bills. Uh but then as I got closer to, you know, Olympic cycle, all of a sudden, um, that just started taking over my life. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to be split between the two worlds. So it's you have to commit whether or not you're gonna do non draft or you're gonna do draft legal. So I at a certain point I went all into the ITU Olympic qualification world and that was my world for, you know, Two Olympics, um, but then popped out of it, and I'm I'm not I'm not going to 2020. I'm not you know I've had my Olympic experience. Um, so it's cool. It's really cool to go back because last year I started doing half Ironman races. Uh, this summer I'm doing my first Ironman, and it's like this breath of fresh air, um, you know, after after doing. I loved ITU, absolutely loved it, it's fun, it's exciting, um, you know, I, I got so much more out of it than I ever anticipated, but that chapter is closed for me, and it's really, really cool staying in my sport, but moving to different discipline within it, and just getting this huge boost of of energy that I just honestly hadn't expected, so yeah, it's cool. You got to just open yourself up to whatever's next, right? Yeah.
0: So, what do you, what do you feel like is the difference? I mean, there are tons of differences between draft legal and non-draft long, long stuff.
1: Well, if you're if you're so if you're talking about the sport itself, um, you know, it's it's definitely a lot more. The IT race is a lot more reactive. You know, you're you're seeing what other people are doing, and you kind of react to that. It's fast. It's very unforgiving. Um, I mean, you really you really are kind of performing at this kind of razor's edge if you want to be at the top. Um, I think non draft. It's you know, it obviously they're still racing. It's a little bit more internal. It's less reactive. It's more Um, you know internally motivated while you're racing so you are the one who has to kind of measure your energy and uh, pace whereas i too a lot of the time it's just you're not thinking about pacing you're just going hard for two hours um yeah but i would say the bigger difference for me is more cultural um you know i choose great but you're in this little bubble so the, the world triathlon series races, now you'd have the same 75 men, 75 women. You see, you know, race after race all over the world. And that's cool. Cause you get to know people. Well, you get, you have your friends, you know, you have your little bubble, um, but you forget about the sport as a whole. And I think, you know, it's, it's to the detriment of, uh itu but it's also to the detriment of the athletes because it's it's easy to lose perspective um one of the things i've really loved about doing the the half iron man races is you know i'll be waiting in the same quarter potty line as you know some woman who's it's her first time doing a triathlon and she's 60. um you know there's just something really humanizing about it where you realize that okay, high-performance sport is wonderful because, you know, for, for all these reasons, the top level. But there's something just really beautiful about sport as a celebration of humanity. Um, and it's hard to feel that when you are just surrounded the top, you know, the top part of the pyramid, the sport pyramid, um, without recognition that we're all doing the same, you know, we're doing the same course. Some people for a half Ironman it might take four hours. Other people might take eight hours. Um, but there's just this kind of connecting bonds um, by embarking on this challenge at the roughly the same time. You, you don't you don't get that with ITU. Um, you know, it's 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 cool. Like I I'm with with Ironman. I'm now asking questions from people who are far more experienced than I am at the distance and they a lot of them are amateur athletes you know it's it's not like I'm talking to pros it's cool to be able to have a friend who's you know in his mid-40s and I'm asking for advice like wait a second you're an Olympian you don't know these things no I don't know these things teach me you know (laughs) like and that's you know just for me it's it I I love it I love it it's humbling in in the most wonderful way. Um, yeah, so there you go. I remember Long answer to your question. <laughs> it was a great
0: answer. I remember when I I think it was after my first 70.3, which was Pumpkin Man in South Warwick, Maine. I remember sitting with Mike Chiazzo, who is a pro, and he was talking about how he's so inspired by the athletes that finish in eight hours. Cause that's a really long time to be yeah. out there to be working your butt off
1: yeah yeah for sure for sure no i think um one of one of my motivating forces this year is to qualify for kona in part because i want to be there when the last people are crossing the finish line um you know I've i've only seen it through coverage i've never been there live and i just think it just seems like one of the most powerful experiences in in our sport um, is to to witness that because there's that recognition that if you're out there for 16 hours, that's
0: insanely hard.
1: <laughs> that's a long day. That's a really long day.
0: Yeah, and even though it's taking those people longer, they're still pushing themselves. Yeah, like their effort is like the same.
1: Yeah, as yeah. your
0: effort, even though you're done. Eight hours before them,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, uh yeah. No, it's. I think it's a it's it's an amazing sport. There's no question. And what people are able to do, what I keep on coming back to is, wait a second here. People do Ironman. They do half Ironman training. They have families. They have work. Like they're juggling. All these things, I'm a, I have a hard enough time doing that, and you know my my demands and my time are far more limited than somebody who's juggling all those things. And I'm just I'm so inspired by that, like the people who wake up at 5 a.m. to get workouts done, and after work they're getting in sessions, and they're still, you know, being parents and doing a good enough job. Their real jobs to not get fired. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I I would assume. Um, I have to ask more people if there is the quality of their work suffers while they're doing Iron Man training. <laughs> I mean, regardless, it's it really is incredible how passion for the sport, um, you know, really really inspires people in these deep and profound ways to just find like this fifth year to be able to fit in all the training.
0: So you just added business to your the things you're juggling. How's what's that like? And and tell us about your business, please.
1: Yeah, so the the backstory is um, for as long as I've known my husband Ben, he has said that after his, he's a professional runner, and he says that after his running career, he wants to be a coffee roaster uh, professionally. Like, finally, I got to the point, like, dude, enough talking about it. You actually have to roast in order to be a professional roaster someday. So just get yourself this, this, you know, it's a one kilo roaster that you've been talking about. Just bite the bullet, do it. Now, he's one of these all-in kind of guys. So once he decides he's going to do something, he's dogged in his pursuit, shall we say. So he gets this roaster and it's nonstop, like YouTube videos. He has these roasting books, roasting magazine subscriptions. It's, it's out of control. It's taken over our lives. and like like, I need somebody to share this load. This is crazy. Uh, Deslin's husband, Ryan, um, he got roasted roughly the same time as Ben, similarly obsessed. We ended up having a bit of a, a, uh, a setup for the two of them. Cause I'm like, Des, I don't know what to do. This is out of control. She's like, I know what you're talking about. Ryan's totally out of control. roasting. we're like, genius. We don't have to listen to it if they just talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Let's set them up so but then like they start sending each other presents and stuff that it's all like coffee roasting related i'm like i haven't gotten a present from my husband for years but that's beside the point point. <laughs> and so it got to the point where we're like okay maybe someday this would be kind of a fun thing to do does like hey you know what i'm gonna run boston marathon uh you guys should do like a pop-up coffee stop a coffee shop um tracksmith has a house down in uh on boylston street near the marathon and uh you guys can just uh, like serve some coffee give away coffee for free we'll have it be like a soft launch for the company i'm like whoa pump the brakes too soon too soon i mean you guys have been roasting. Are we ready to have a soft lawn for, for a business? And they're like, oh, yeah, people get, it's just a hobby business. It's not a big deal. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm on board. Very tentatively so. So if you follow marathons, you know the next part of the story, which is Des Linden wins Boston Marathon. First American w- female to win the marathon in 33 years. Kind of a historic moment. So our little business, our little hobby business, <laughs> all a it like blows up. You know, there's a, there's coverage of uh, her husband Ryan wearing our hats. you know, like goodness knows if you calculated the kind of advertising that would be worth on national TV, I don't know. It's probably like $100,000 worth of free advertising right there, Ryan, like, Going crazy with the the and true hat on. So you know this is what, like six weeks ago. Um, we we still want to keep it pretty small. Uh, you know, we put up like forty to sixty five bags of coffee a week. That's just the goal right now cause we have you know we're still we're still competing. We don't want it to take over our lives. Um, we also have a subscription model. For a limited number of people, um, you know, it's going to grow. Uh, we're what's fun. I I say that loosely. Most of the time, it's fun. Is that if you've started a business, you know how much goes into it. Um, you know, behind the scenes, it's it's more than the coffee roasting. So we have had to learn about you know setting up a business from the tax side of things to you know how to navigate shipping to you know here we are four people like what are our natural niches within the company and how can I add value because you know I quickly got on board when I realized that this thing was real um (laughs) and I was needed um but I've also learned that I am not well suited to certain tasks. For example, uh, we sent out hats, and somebody emailed back like, Hey, guys, I got my I got a box today. You know I was really excited, opened it up, and there was a packing slip in there, and no hat. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh jeez. And Ben just looks at me, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Of course it was me. It wasn't you, the super detail-oriented person. It was me, because I was probably, like, I don't know, in la-la land where I normally am. Um, so, yeah, that is not... I need to be watched when i <laughs> skipping. <laughs> I need checklists and things like that to keep me on task. Um, but, you know, i am I... I enjoy the the design aspect. I've been helping, um, you know, we obviously have a graphic designer who's who's formalized the the design for the coffee bags. But I had to learn very quickly, you know, what a good coffee bag design is and what are the features you want. And you know, it's a totally different world. Um, so. I think I'll gravitate more in that direction, like the, the design side and like managing social media and not defending things.
0: <laughs> so you get to do the fun stuff in my biased opinion.
1: Well, I, I mean, I also am going to be doing a lot of tedious stuff too. Um, Cause that's just business, you know, it's, I, Yeah all have to go and make sure that we have enough packing materials and you know doing inventory and things like that so it's yeah I like the more creative stuff because you're right it's more fun (laughs)
0: yeah I mean some people find spreadsheets and that stuff really fun that's not my zone of genius no
1: no no no
0: (laughs) so how is. is it as you're all training and competing how's the balancing that with the business
1: so uh you know as you can imagine Dez has been on this whirlwind tour you know doing all sorts of things hanging out with taylor swift you know <laughs> while we're in new hampshire being like all right you know hopefully you like plugged plugs uh the, the company <laughs> but um and ryan's been you know he has he has a full-time sales job but he's also Ben, he did an Irony at Santa Rosa in this time. He has been going on all these trips with Dez. So it's like their lives have been totally crazy. Um, you know, Ben and like we've been trying to, to race and balance the training and everything. And it's a steep learning curve because you definitely can, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're very delicate flowers when it comes to our energy management. And you know, we have this pretty narrow window of tolerance. So I think you know, as, as a professional athlete, pretty much your goal is to find that point of physical fatigue where you can make adaptations without overwhelming your system. So it's like finding that really good balance. And I think actually that's, that's all levels of the sport. If you, you know, if you're an amateur, it's how much can I handle, like, you factor in the external stresses of work and home life and everything else, doing enough training stimulus without it being too much, so you can actually get the, the benefit. Um, so for us, it's like, you know, driving down to Boston and back, for example, if we just had to do that randomly that would probably flatten us for two days because, and this is something that is really, really hard for like our our families to understand is we're always very tired and our, our capacity to do things outside of that is extremely narrow. So it's like, um, it's a huge production, for example, to mow the lawn, like massive, Um, you know, like just, we, I realize we sound like total princesses because you know, you think about what most normal people do. I think about like my sister-in-law, who's a pediatrician with four kids. I'm like, I don't know how you do it all, but I can barely train and function. Um, so we, we added this business on, and all of a sudden we're like, all of our, our recovery time is now spent with this thing, and we have deadlines, and we have to stay on top of stuff. And it's, a, it's an additional load. So a smart athlete um, probably would, in hindsight, you know, dial back the training a little bit during periods of external stress that are, you know, like compromising your training. Uh, we, we both within the first few weeks, we both got sick like Ben had a race that he had to pull out of because, so he was supposed to run um, out in uh, Peyton Jordan and he had to pull out because he had gotten sick because we were just totally overwhelmed. I did a race that in see George and like, it was a little lackluster. So you, we, we within the first month, we already saw that it's going to be a tricky balance. Um, you know, and it's, it's being honest with ourselves that we have to dial back the business during critical points of training. We have to figure it out pretty quickly. Um, And also like, I think a lot of it was just because so much of it was new. We had to get up to speed very, very quickly. Um, And, you know, now that we're six weeks into it, we're, super wise experience we know that a lot of it's routine so it's like okay it's it's no longer stressful when it's part of your routine so uh you know we'll grow it gradually um you know as as long as we're all still racing uh then there's only so much we can do so it's just reconciling okay we can only send out x number of bags a week yes in theory if we're roasting more sending out more we could definitely have this be a real business but in the meantime let's just have fun with it if we if we come out ahead at the end of this year
0: cool you know <laughs> I love I love the similarities here so um yeah mowing the lawn is a big deal i out the trash my husband <laughs> yeah. is traveling this week and I got the trash out Wednesday night I I wanted a medal for that yeah because because, yeah juggling training and i'm not training at the same level that you're training at but just like the balance of training hard and owning my own business running my own business yeah it's it's a lot because i want to be i want to be at my best in everything i do that leaves not much room for like just chilling yeah for sure and
1: and we we need the chill time you know we we have evolved to need that because you need to unwind and i think what we found was that we didn't know how to like normally be okay i'm not training this is my unwind time but all of a sudden it's i have all of these things to do in the three hours between sessions um or if you're not doing them it's just kind of hanging over your head that you need to do them so that that stress is always there um yeah we're we're figuring it out really quickly you know hopefully that was the only race that has been affected by it uh, or will be affected by it um but you know it is what it is it's we're learning so many life skills (laughs) you know no honestly we're learning so many life skills um Through this that whether or not this is a business that's successful we can translate a lot of this stuff to whatever we do in the future and that's you know that's something that I don't think we value enough is just the accumulation of skills um you know it's it's the same thing in in sport where you can get so myopic where you're like oh you know that was a terrible race And it feels like all of the training up until that point was for naught. But you still adapted. You still, you know, made gains in that period of time. It may not have been reflected on race day, but down the road, you're going to be better off because of that work you did. Um, And it's so easy to look at, okay, well, if that race didn't go well, then it means that everything before that uh, wasn't worth it. Um, But it, it does pay off. So it still whether or not it still counts. Yeah. So, so the skills that we're getting through this, you know, through lemon, true coffee, like these skills count. Maybe it won't be for this, but it's going to be for something.
0: It sounds like you are really in love with growth.
1: You know, I think if, if you don't love growth, um you're going to spend too much time being frustrated and you know, the, it's it's definitely something that i grew up i think like a lot of us i grew up with you know that that typical fixed mindset where like well i am x y and z and that is it and you just believe these
0: truths about yourself. So what and did you, as a kid, what did you think you were?
1: Uh, I thought, you know, so much of it ends up being within your family dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm the youngest of three. And it's easier for me to kind of eliminate, like, well, I guess of the three, I'm the most artistic. Uh, my brother's the best with science. My sister's. You know the best writer. Like you, you delineate these roles. Um, like oh, my my brother's ex equine. You know, like my sister's the best soccer player. Uh, it, it, we just think that that's what we are, um, and kind of exclude ourselves from from certain categories as a result. Uh, and you just that that definitely was my course in in sport until I had a coach who finally kind of broke through to me um where he sat down at the beginning of the year and he he made me grade myself on i think there were like a hundred criteria. It was out of control, but it was like a sliding scale. Like what, what are your areas of, of it's, it wasn't strength or weakness. It was just, you know, just relative to you, where are you on these things? And then, okay. So looking at that, what are we going to work on? What is of most importance at the end of the year? I want to be able to sit down with you and we're going to have moved the dial forward in, in a certain number of these things. And I realized over the course of a few years working with him that across the board, you know, all of those things I got better on. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I, like a lot of us, I grew up thinking that I was a certain way and that's just the way things were. But then at a certain point, I realized it's more just about being better. It's just being a better version of. Of yourself, and we can always be better. We're never going to be perfect, and that's okay. <laughs> so yeah, one hundred percent. Like I am all in on the growth mindset. Um, you know, I wish I'd figured this out when I was a teenager. Like, but whatever. Better, better having figured out my thirties than not at all. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, what would you tell teenage you?
1: Ah. Uh, Oh, goodness. What wouldn't I tell teenagers to never cut my hair short because that was terrible.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you know, just to, I think, I think mostly that, that hard work, you know, I, I just, I believed, I believed in talent. I believed wholeheartedly in talent. and. I would have told teenage me that talent is a myth. Um, that it's it's a combination. You know, it, if you have interest in something, you can always develop more aptitude. You know, who knows what it's eventually going to look like? Like we all have ceilings of performance, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean I shouldn't try. If there's interest there, like. <laughs> The number of things that I just automatically, um, you know, sold myself short on because I just assumed I wasn't good at it and would never be any good at it. Um, Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. That and uh, just to own who I am without caring what other people think. Mm -hmm. Like, that was, you know, I think one of the most. Things about being in your 30s is like there was this shift for me. I don't know how common this I feel like this is pretty common. Like in your twenties, you're pretty gauged, like just tuned into what the world thinks of you, and it's just never enough. And then just kind of like this split switch flips, and I'm like, I don't care. I just I don't care. I am who I am, take it or leave it like yes i want to be better i want to be kinder and more generous and like you know all these things but i don't care if you think that i'm you know i look funny <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't bother me but like i think in my 20s my teens it, it it would bother me in a very deep way um yeah
0: How did that impact your training and racing? Which aspect? The going from caring about other people's opinions to not caring about other people's opinions.
1: Uh, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing was that I didn't care whether or not people thought I was going to succeed or fail. It was going to just, be about me and my own personal fulfillment um yeah because it's a, a, and i'm not saying it was perfect like so definitely you know uh all the olympic buildup and not being able to race because of you know injury and just like that was a devastating blow in part because of the external pressures um but, you know, by and large, like, I would say, outside of that, I didn't, I didn't care as much about, um, you know, it was more about doing well for me, and not doing well to prove anything, you know, to my federation, or, or sponsors, or to my competitors, and just, you know, that freedom of how how good can I be? And let's just, let's just see. And it's not like, if I'm not great, then I'm not great. You know, so be it. (laughs) You (laughs) got to experiment. Right. It's just part of who I am. It's not completely who I am. Um, You know, we lose sight of that sometimes.
0: Yeah. I think, I think we can, especially with training being your job, it's very easy to get wrapped up in that.
1: Yeah, well, just, you know, I think we, we see, because there are so few things in life where you have direct measures, uh, you know, sport becomes an unfair measure of our value. Mm. Because you think, like, nobody is judging, you know, there's no, like, scorecard for the dinner you made, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like. If you send out an awesome email, like nobody is offering to give you sponsorship money. You know, but sport is just this weird thing where we have times and we have competitors and you know, you measure yourself. Um, but like 99% of jobs, nobody is measuring you to that capacity in such a public way.
0: I think <laughs> it's that's really so interesting. Weird. It's not real life.
1: It's not real life, it's not and and that's that's where i these you know because it's my life, because I'm passionate about it, yeah, of course it hurts when you don't have a race that you know- where you demonstrate your hard work um but here's the thing like nobody will ever care as much as you care.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And people likely won't remember as long as you remember.
1: Totally. Totally. Like we're all going to be, we all meet the same end someday. (laughs) And I guarantee nobody will care. Um, You know, like even, even if you win like an Olympic gold medal, like, it's a side note. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not a definition of who you are. It's just a n- neat little factoid. The same as like, you know, had a, an extensive teapot collection. <laughs> <laughs> like with, with time, these things become a lot less important.
0: That's <laughs> true. That's true. Absolutely. I want to get into your mindset. When, so let's talk about when things get hard. When you're like solidly on the struggle bus, how do you get Uh, yourself through that?
1: In life, in training, during the race, all, all. Um, I try to. You know, I think it's really important to occasionally just grounds myself to kind of check in with uh, who I am outside of being an athlete um, to just you know provide some perspective to kind of chill out so you know yeah obviously my training is important um, you know being an athlete's important but just sometimes you need to just hang out with a dog you know you can hear the dog in the background mm-hmm. um you know walk in nature just put it all into perspective because that's that that's the biggest help i think because um, it's just none of these things well very few of them matter that much and we can get so caught up in in their importance um that you just need to feel like small again in some ways (laughs) and just step outside of yourself. And I think for me, the best way to do that is just, um, to be, to be outside and just remind myself that
0: I'm just one tiny little cog. (laughs) I love that you brought that up. I, when we lived in Maine, I, um, I had pneumonia and two stress fractures, not all at the same time, but kind of back to back and we lived really close to some trail just like gorgeous trails and i feel like those woods healed me because yeah I'm surrounded by big trees it's not that big a deal yeah, yeah i will heal you,
1: right exactly exactly um well, and you realize that the the heal the breaking and healing part is just part of the natural cycle um and that that's you know you walk in the woods and you see that you see evidence of it everywhere around you um with there there is no perfection in nature like and we we hold ourselves to impossible standards as humans but we're just we're just part of the whole the whole model yeah (laughs) you know like we break we heal you know we hopefully get stronger (laughs) yeah and we adapt and we adapt yeah that's that's what i people are i mean human beings are so insanely adaptable and we forget that okay 20 years ago none of us had smartphones (laughs) you know 10, 10 years ago i i guess we did have smartphones but like 20 years ago so like it's such a huge part of our lives that we can't even fathom not having smartphones. We can't fathom not having cars, convenience foods, like electricity. But this is an eensy-beensy blip on the total, you know, scope of humanity. So, like, you just think how quickly we've adapted to the modern era. And it's mind-blowing to me. (laughs) Yeah. Which is also why we need to go back into nature a lot. Just to remember that our state of living is artificial and it's totally weird and it's totally normal for it to be a stressor. Um, you know, this is, this, is not, this is not normal. The way <laughs> humans live now is not normal.
0: No, the fact that like, in fact, we have more in common with the trees, with the creatures that live in the ocean, with the wildlife than we do to our smartphones, but we spend a whole lot more time on our smartphones.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So it's, you know, I think you can easily live places where you're like, I mean, it's, you know, you're in this this technology bubble um, and our brains and our bodies have not adapted to that. And it's, it's changed the way we think, it's changed the way we see the world. Um, so yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just kind of stepping outside of myself and my little, you know, current reality into, and just regrounding into something bigger than myself.
0: Yeah. speaking along the lines of technology, so your training, how attached are you to technology as you train?
1: uh i like to use it as a gauge um but then there are times where like i went for a run the other day and didn't wear a watch you know and it's it's freeing like i think i try and i i am totally i totally do this too where you can get totally, you can get completely sucked into, all right, I need to produce X number of Watts for X amount of time. And you lose sight of the sensations because mm-hmm. you're so caught up in the numbers. Um, I mean, one of the, the best, like one of the best things Ben has ever said is your body, your body doesn't know pace. Like pace is an artificial construct. Uh, your body understands effort. So sometimes I just have to constantly remind myself, like, not to look at my watch. I'm just going to run easy and I'm going to feel what it is to run easy. Um, and maybe some days that's going to be eight minute mile pace. Some days that might be like seven minute mile pace. You know, it doesn't matter. Does it doesn't, like my body will make the adaptation, but I just need to kind of step away from but then there are times where it is very important that uh especially on the bike because i i can my perception of effort is not great like i'm pretty good with the run like i know what it is to so sometimes i need the the watt goals to kind of push me a little harder um you know that's where in the past like i have i've worked with coaches who use no data whatsoever, like none, no pace, no watts, nothing. But I was in a group environment. So it would be, uh, just kind of reacting off my training partners and going hard. I'm training 100% by myself. So sometimes I do need the numbers to hold me accountable. Um, you know, if I had training partners, it would, I wouldn't need that because it would just be all right, we're going to do, six mile you know time trial okay just go hard (laughs) and you're gonna make adaptation but because i don't have that it has to be like okay well i have to do this and this and just like tick the boxes and in that process still try to kind of check back in with how does this feel you know how can i make this feel easier because the goal obviously is to make Faster efforts feel easier. <laughs> I, yeah, and I love that you brought that up because
0: that's one of the things that I help people with a lot. I believe that things can be ease er, like it doesn't have to be hard versus easy, but we can always allow ease in.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, it's one of one of kind of the the uh, realizations that I've had is that you may not be get faster like actually very nobody is going to get faster as you get older right like there's no 60 year old who is faster than they would have been when they were 20. like just this is what happens right but we all can be better athletes so there are people who are in their 60s who are far better athletes than they were when they were in their 20s and part of that is just that understanding of your own body and we do not give that enough weight um you know i am a i am a better athlete than i was 10 years ago i may not be faster i'm probably getting better results because i'm a better athlete like i just i am so much more in tune with my body and i listen to it and i respect it um in ways that i didn't have the humility to be able to, you know, back then. So I think that's something that's really, really important for us to kind of wrap our heads around, whether you're, you know, a master's athlete or you're a teenage kid who's an athlete. Like, you got to check your ego at the door and just listen to your body um, and respect the signals it gives you. And yeah, you want to constantly be pushing, um, but knowing, yeah, just knowing uh, that you can be better at what you do, even though that might not be faster times. And just the appreciation for that process, I think is very, very valuable.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I've definitely gotten smarter as I've gotten older. As an athlete, I'm still stubborn.
1: Oh, yeah. But yeah. I listen. <laughs> and and there are times where I totally would give better advice to somebody else than I would give to myself. Um, and I think most of us are pretty stubborn and don't want to listen but I listen to myself more frequently than I would have.
0: And we have to, in order to listen, we have to create the space to, to hear ourselves.
1: Right. Totally. And that, and you know, that's where, um, you're absolutely right. Just that, that mindless, uh, you know, obsession with, with gadgets kind of takes away that space. Yeah. Because then everything becomes numbers and it doesn't become you and your, you know, yourself. All right.
0: I've got a few last questions for you. Yeah. Mindset-wise, what's the difference between what goes through your head during an ITU race versus uh, an Ironman or half Ironman? I guess you don't Uh, know for a full yet.
1: You know, I. Hmm. I think a lot of it is just. Let me see the difference mentally. The the IT races it it's a bit it's it's more tactical, so. Uh, you know, you're running at different scenarios. You're trying to watch. You're trying to be super vigilant, um, to what people are doing around you and you know you're anticipating like the technical aspects so it's just constant engagement with with the external um for the longer races i found it's a lot more just constant like checking in with myself and you know is this is this effort level appropriate you know is this like, do I, do I need to drink right now? Do I need to eat right now? Uh, do I need to, like, for me, the biggest, the biggest thing is uh, focus. Like, I had to stay focused in IT races because if you, if you lose focus, the race is over. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, like these half Ironman races, I constantly have to remind myself, to pay attention. Cause if I could be like looking out in the water and it's a beautiful day, and then all of a sudden it's like a two minute gap, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, oh shoot, I should have been paying attention. Looking back at my power I'm like, what was I doing? So, you know, I've had to, the biggest thing for me is kind of retraining my brain to, um, just kind of find that, Like a a comfortable place of uh, staying stimulated without urgency, because it's too long for there to. Because definitely, I too, there's there's this mental urgency. The long course, you can't you can't have it or else you'll just burn out. So yeah.
0: I love that stimulated without urgency. There's this optimal optimal performance zone is where we're calm with intensity it sounds like that's what you're talking about
1: exactly
0: so how do you how have you trained your brain
1: uh you know i train 25 30 hours a week by myself um and you know when i kind of set out on this i didn't think i was strong enough to do that like i thought i was going to be a total failure well I didn't think I worried part of me worried that I was going to fail because I know I have this tendency to like, I'm a social person. I like having training partners. I like having people around. How the heck is somebody like that going to effectively train for professional sports by themselves? Um, and I, I've, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing better. Like, you know, I'm getting comfortable with it. Um, I'm getting comfortable with spending that much time by myself, staying focused. Um, and that's all you can hope for, right? Is just kind of nudging, nudging it forward a little bit every, every time. Like I can go for four hour, five hour bike ride, no music, nothing else, just me and my thoughts. And it doesn't bother me. And I think, um, you know, a year ago, it would have been really taxing. Uh, you know, actually I know like this time last year during a four and a half hour ride by myself, it, it was a lot more physically taxing because it, it took so much more engagement from my brain that now it's not a big deal. Um, yeah. So was, there's your answer. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, Yeah. I totally can relate to that (laughs) in so many levels. Um, Yeah, and so people ask like, oh, you train by yourself? Do you listen to music? Do you sing to yourself? Do you, I mean, I do remember in high school swimming, I used to conjugate French verbs. I don't know why, I can't do that anymore.
1: (laughs) Cross country running in high school. That was my thing, like conjugating Spanish verbs. That's what I would do, that's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> all, can you still do it? Cause I, I got nothing.
1: Uh, I could, but I haven't had to think about it in a while. So <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I need to stay, get back to that. Yeah.
0: Or not. <laughs> um, let's see. What else? Do you have any mantras?
1: Not off the top of
0: my head. So clearly I do not. Okay. <laughs> and then when things get like truly crappy during a race, what do you do? I think
1: I'm going to step outside of this being a sports specific answer and just say generally, Um, just reminding myself that they're just thoughts and not giving them too much power. Yeah. Um, You know, we have, we have this tendency to, Overinflate inflate the importance of thought and they pass so if, if you have a negative thought you're like oh my goodness I feel terrible it's the acknowledgement of that sensation that thought without engaging too deeply I think that's really important um, you know whether it's in sport or you know your life outside of sport so it's it's not because I in in the past i definitely would have been like i feel terrible this race is going to be horrible i'm a terrible athlete so you just end up with it you know it starts spiraling out of control and there's no it's i don't know how you could possibly dig out of it at that point once it becomes this is a measure of who i am you know it went from you know what? I'm just kind of going through a rough patch in this race, and I don't feel awesome. Like it could just you know, that's all that is. But once it starts getting so much bigger than that, then forget it. So it's just kind of like, well, all right, right? Right now, I don't feel so hot. But you know what? It's probably gonna pass. I hear you thought, I'm gonna keep on plugging away. And let's just hope it goes away. And most of the time it does. And if it doesn't, you just don't let it get any bigger than that because it's going to be so much more of a drain on you. So it's, yeah, I think, I think that's the biggest thing.
0: I describe that as you're watching, your thoughts are like, it's like traffic. You're watching the traffic go by and all of a sudden there's this unmarked van, windowless van, and you decide to get in it. Why would you do that? You don't have yeah. to do that, don't, yeah. stranger danger.
1: Right, right, yeah, absolutely.
0: Sarah, this has been amazing, thank you so much.
1: Oh, my pleasure.
0: How can people learn more about you?
1: Um, uh, well, people, you, you know, the whole social media thing, but that's not really who I am, is that, is that really who we are? <laughs>
0: <laughs> who are you um, on social media?
1: Uh who am I? Uh, you know who I am has changed but it's more me. Like I I've made a concerted effort over the past couple of years to kind of strip away some of the superficiality that you see. But anyway, I'm getting I digress. Um No, but this is
0: interesting. You can keep going.
1: Yeah, uh on Twitter uh I'm S Graffy. on Instagram. I'm Sarah B. True. What that says about me that I kept my maiden name for Twitter. I don't know. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. What's... That's that's part of who I am. So if you if you want to follow along,
0: and if they want to know the real you,
1: just introduce yourself at a race. Maybe you'll get you know
0: <laughs> a few a few moments of.
1: Pure, unfiltered, fair enough.
0: <laughs> And what's your next race?
1: Uh, Ironman Frankfurt.
0: Awesome. Yeah. When me. is that?
1: Uh, July 8th.
0: Fabulous. We will all be cheering for you.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, KelseyAbbott.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.